Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Okay, I want to dive right in because I discovered you because Tanya from Baby Gal Reddit, hi, uh, was like, oh, let's read Priceless as our sort of collab. And I was like, that sounds great. Let's do it. And color me very excited about how amazing all the dirty talk was. That is my catnip, my absolute catnip. So I was really excited when you said you were going to come on the show. What, before you started writing, what was your favorite thing, like part of books and romance to read? That is a great question. I mean, I have to say that honestly, like I came to romance through erotica. Okay. And so from the time that I kind of like discovered erotic writing, I think it was just kind of this window into how people tick. And it's like amazing to me that there's this whole kind of secret world because like, you know, sexuality is very hidden in our culture in some ways of what people's fantasies are and kind of what goes into like each individual person and what makes them want what they want. And so like as a teen, I was very shy, like I wasn't really dating yet. And so I was really like discovering all this stuff through books. And I was just like, oh, this is what's going on in people's heads. And like, this is what they do behind closed doors. And so I think it was kind of that window onto a secret world and like people's secret sort of like subconscious thoughts that really appealed to me about that genre. Oh, Shawnee yeah. actually made a sticker when we were in our dark romance season that said uh, like taboo is it's like the window into like all of your desires, but in a safe spot. Mm-hmm. So you can like live out all of these lives and do things that like in real life you would never do or allow perhaps, or maybe never think that you would want. And then you get to like live with this character and go through all of that, you know, and sort of discover Um, some fun things about yourself in a, you know, in a safe place. Like you said, we started reading, same, teenagers reading sexual scenes, not ready to have sex, not ready for anyone to see, like, my boobs even, let alone touch them. But it was wonderful to get to, like, mentally uh, be in that spot. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I was just going to reiterate the point where just, uh, like, there's things I absolutely know I do not want to experience in real life. Like, it's (laughs) a hundred it's, it's a hard, it's a hard, in real life, it's a hard no, but in a book. Blood play. It, as, in a book, I'm like, well, well, she not saying no to the knife and therefore one should cut. <laughs> oh my God. I just read one. That's why I bring it up. It's fresh in the mind. It was a very <laughs> intense, <laughs> it was very intense. Oh my goodness. Um, Oh, I also want to talk to you about one thing, which you're one of the few authors that I've read it in, and I loved it so, 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 so much, was the safe words, and that you didn't just use it once, because I found that a lot of authors will use a safe word once, Mm -hmm. and then after that, I mean, carte blanche, things are on the table that were, like, it just gets so amped up, 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 up. And like at the beginning, that character maybe was only okay with like medium, but now at the end of the book, we're like in crazy land. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved that in both books, because uh, I just finished the book one of the duet. Um, in both books, the safe word is used throughout the book, like as it would be in real life. Like, oh, hey, things are getting too intense. I need a pause. And I am obsessed with it. And I want you to tell me more about like how you write that in and and just about that. Cause I think it's great. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so going off what we were saying earlier, like I think 
romance is so interesting because it's kind of like this safe fantasy space, but it's also, you know, we want to see something we can relate to and like we want to see ourselves reflected. And so I was just thinking like, okay, I love writing about boundary pushing and about people living out their fantasies, but it's like, what happens when you're actually doing it? Like, it might be scary, it might be overwhelming, it might be really different from how it was in your head because you don't have control. You know, there's at least mm -hmm. another person in the mix, maybe more. And so with the safe word, I just, I think I had the same frustration, like what you mentioned. I don't know if it was necessarily frustration on your part, but just like, mm -hmm. yeah, like if there's a safe word, let's use it. You know, it's like if there's a gun in the first scene, it's going to go off in the book. Like if there's a safe word, mm -hmm. give it. Like, what's yeah. it use? And respect mm -hmm. it. So I feel like, I mean, what I liked about doing Priceless is trying to keep up the tension and like antagonism, but in a very consensual way. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, we're both agreeing to play this game that's like degrading um, and it's overwhelming for Christina, but there are still rules and we're going to respect them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was super important to me to kind of work that I in. I mean, the big, I just have to quickly, the big bad wolf scene. I mean, <laughs> stop, stop. You guys run to read that book immediately and then DM me about it because wow, wow. It was a great scene. Um, yeah, I think the, the like, none of the other characters who this, like in this case it, for the two books I read it already, but is the male MCs, like they don't say like, oh, no, come on. No, like there's no like coercion. There's no, it's just like, okay, hands off. Like, do you need a minute? Do, should we stop altogether? Should we? And like, like it was so refreshing to like, as you said, like they're really boundary pushing and, and like during the sort of play of this, there's a lot of coercion of like, mm -hmm. you're going to do this for me. But as soon as those safe words where it's like, Oh, do you need a towel? Do you need a call? You need a hug? Like, what's what are we doing? And I I love that dichotomy because I think that's like the scariest part of like in real life trusting someone is like, are you gonna respect when I like say in maybe not no depend maybe you're doing non consent so maybe no isn't the right word maybe it's pineapples or whatever but um, are you actually gonna not make me feel bad that I have a boundary right. I really, I remember one time there was, um, it was one of the, like, my, my partner and I uh, will play, like, with Shibari, mm -hmm. and we had done it before, and it was fine, totally fine, and this one day, we tried a different position, like, tying in a different position, and I did not expect the fact that I was going to lose my shit, like, mentally, mm -hmm. like, that, that specific position just like my brain was like, no, absolutely not. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember like in my own head, trying to like talk myself into it, like, no, no, you're like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And then being like, no, it's not okay. <laughs> you know? Yes. And then like safe wording out. And, um, uh, and I, and so when you're, when you're talking about this, I think it's really important to, for people to reiterate that sometimes you can be doing something so similar to something you've already done so many times and your partner, everybody thinks it's not just all okay. And then that day, it's just not, you know, that day just doesn't work right. out, you know? Uh, and yeah. that's the day I learned that I don't like my legs completely incapacitated. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's the, that happens. And so I think, I, I think it's really cool. And I think like normalizing safe wording whenever, like yes. immediately yes. is a great, a great thing. Super great. Yeah. I completely agree. And like, it could be a new position or it could be just like a different day or a different time of the month, like anytime. It's just, it's okay. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I feel like definitely when I was younger and even now, like there's so much pressure on women in our culture to be accommodating and to just be able to see examples of like setting a boundary and having it respected, I think is super important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So your first book is definitely, or the first one I read of you, is definitely a contemporary romance. Mm-hmm. Um, how how did the the paranormal witchy, like how did that come about? Did you like see something or watch something that sort of triggered or read something or did, was it a dream? That's a great question. I think it came from a few different places and it was stuff that was just kind of like cooking around for a while. So there are a couple of Buffy episodes that I think like had an effect and just kind of lingered years later. So like, oh my god, the- you guys, she's talking my language. Just speaking your language, so much. I love Buffy. My chip, my chibi for paranormal season is Buffy. I have a little, little I'm a little Buffy chibi. So cute. You took every watch. Look at me. Let me see if I can see that. <laughs> so <go>. cute. <laughs> my blur background. <laughs> So one episode was the one with the swim team. Is this ringing a bell? Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. men's swim team. Wentworth, uh, <laughs> it is ringing a bell. <laughs> so um, for anyone listening who uh, hasn't watched this, the men's men's swim team at the high school, they're taking something that like turns them into these beasts. And they it makes them amazing swimmers for a while until it gets to be too much. And they turn to like these scary sea creatures with like appetites. And so, of course, Buffy's trying to get to the bottom of this. Yes. And there's one scene, sorry to spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it, but she gets tossed in the, like, pit with, like, three of the guys yeah. who have transformed. And the coach is like, they're hungry. <laughs> it's just, you know, because it's Buffy, she fights them off um, and saves the day. But, you know, if went a different direction, like, that started kind of spinning possibilities. And then there's another episode with, like, this evil fraternity where she goes mm-hmm. to the party and like, I think they drug her and she's down the dungeon with a couple of other tributes and they have this monster that they sacrifice women to, to have success. And so it's really dark. And of course she saves the day and like takes care of all of that. And once the monster is gone, like they lose all of their connections and wealth and like, it just kind of right. spirals out. So that definitely like had its impact as well in kind of the shaping nice. of the story. And then there was a tweet a few years ago. So someone posed a question like, if you could write any book you wanted and you didn't have to worry about it being agented or the market or whatever, or like your reputation, what would you write? And so someone's like, I would write a polyamorous romance with a satanic fraternity. And I was like, I want to I want to write that book. <laughs> I don't just want to read it. I want to write it. And so, of course, it went in its own directions. I wouldn't call it satanic necessarily, but... I feel like that was also kind of a, a moment in the making of this book. That was awesome. First of all, I was I was looking through your list of books and I, there was one that was like the space between us or something along those lines. And I was like, I would like to be the space between you. I would like to be that space. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get to be in this space. <laughs> I would like to be the meat in your sandwich. In your sandwich. You know what I'm saying? I was like, um, order that one. (laughs) I, I'm new. I'm so newly introduced to you. And Bridget has raved. I I raved. She was like, shut it. Shut it. Stop. Stop the presses. Stop stop what you're doing. You've got, you've got to. Um, We are big fans of the smut. um, Got me. Over here. (laughs) 
I specifically, I like Bridget and I are, are slightly opposite. We both love smut. We both, are. but Bridget yeah. loves the feels, right? And I feels. am like, where's the smut? I'm like, I'm searching the pages. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm like, okay, page 53. Okay, I can make it to 53. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you must. Yeah, I mean, I got to yeah. read these bits. <laughs> so that's awesome I uh do you do you have like a like a quota or something that you try to do like when you're writing every day like uh you know today I want to try to get you know this amount of pages per day or this amount of words per day or that sort of thing so I've definitely tried that because I know that's like a very popular kind of motivational tool for writers but I feel like it just doesn't work for me and I have to embrace that and accept it yeah Um, when I try it like I have no trouble hitting it. I feel like I have the opposite of writer's block. It's like word vomit. Like I have no trouble getting stuff on the page. But a lot of times it's just not necessarily what I want. And then I can't get rid of it. And it just leads to like agony. (laughs) (laughs) It's like too much. So I find that it works better to just kind of sit down for an hour and be like, whatever comes out is going to come out. Yeah. Um, And if it's longer, then it's longer. And if it's not, that's okay. I... I, I feel that heavily, right? Because like, so I, I write music and whenever a song gets away from me, it is so incredibly hard to edit it back, like hmm. to bring, to bring it back. Right. And so like I produce, it's, it, there's three of us who all produce together. Hmm. And one of my buddies, he's like really good at the electronic side. And hmm. if you give him the track and you're not there, the track you get back is like the most intense <laughs> DJ rave. That, oh you've met, that you've ever experienced <laughs> and trying to like get the track to come back you know mm-hmm. so we have this like running yeah. joke it's like no you gotta sit with him you gotta sit with him don't leave him alone don't leave him alone with the yes. <laughs> and we have this song that we've been trying to put out forever and it's just slightly just too much like mm-hmm. it's just it really drives <laughs> <laughs> so I feel that I prefer like that like I've always been like, you know, adding slowly to tracks is how my brain works best. Like over time, mm-hmm. that intense, like going to the, a mile and then coming back is incredibly difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I admire that so much because I'm a musician, but I find composing to be incredibly difficult. So anyone who writes songs, I'm like, oh my goodness. It's Great. it's so much easier as a team because every one of us has a different language of music, you know? And mm-hmm. so when I get stuck, like, so I, I'm heavy into percussion. Um, so when, after I do like the percussion, uh, it'll be like, okay, let's hand that to Dave now. So Dave, we, we're like literally rotate chairs. Like Dave will mm-hmm. get on and then he'll add something to it. And then Dave will get on and he'll add something to it. And then I'm like, at that point, okay. I'm like, okay, I have a couple of vocal ideas. Let's just throw those in and see what happens. So like if, when I'm alone trying to compose a song, it mm-hmm. takes so much more time and so much more in your head. But when somebody else can throw suggestions, you're like, oh, okay, cool. I got, I can tag team that. Okay, let's tag out, <laughs> you know? Uh, so that is, so it's pretty cool. But yeah, I find a lot of similarities between like writing, and, like writing music and like authors writing. A lot of overlap. Definitely. Yeah, I was thinking about that today, actually, because I saw Bridget's TikTok this morning where she's like, we're going to have Amanda on the podcast and ask her about craft. I was like, Oh shit. Like I'm so excited. <laughs> but like how do I talk about craft? Like it's hard to articulate. And so I was trying to think of how to describe it. And I really was thinking about like writing music and having the buildup and the climax and the resolution and the tension, the release, and like the tempo. And there are a lot of similarities for sure. Yeah. 
do you write full time? That's a great question. Even like up to a couple of weeks ago, I would have said yes, but now I'm kind of reframing it. So I'm a music teacher by profession. And okay. for cool. the past couple of years, I've been like pulling back the hours on that and like having a very flexible mm-hmm. schedule so I can write more. But the cool. past year, like I definitely considered myself a full-time writer and would like try to do it for at least five hours a day, et cetera. But there's a point where it just stopped being fun. And mm. I feel like it affected my writing and the experience. And after like this duet that's coming out right now is out or just kind of the experience of publishing it, I wanted to go back to my roots and be like, why am I writing? Like it's for a good time. It's for, it's to take risks. It's to be kind of crazy. And like, if I think of it as like a full-time job that kind of makes it to adult. So a hundred percent. I agree. I find like, we've, we've talked to a couple of different people who are, have like a different profession mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, it's great because then like, it's my fun time. It's my escape time to be writing versus like, oh, Hey, like I'm at home. This is what I should be doing now right. eight hours a day or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can, like, I can waste more time at my house doing nothing creative, but if I have like a full-time job or I'm with my kids all day and I only have like an hour at the end of the day, like that hour is like so maximized compared to like the 10 hours that came before it where I was like, do, 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 I'm at my house all day. Like, you know, like that. so I totally get that. Are you open to, su- to suggestions? Because I have this book. I keep telling myself I'm going to write this erotic story, but I'm not going to write it. Let me, I'm just going to be real with myself. <laughs> sure. And I think, I feel like you got to be really dirty to write it. Um, <laughs> so this is my, this is one of my go-tos, right? Whenever I'm like, just, I'm like in my head. So I love pirates. I love, love, <laughs> love, love pirates, right? <laughs> Don't ask me why. I just love pirates. And I always have this, like, I used to read all these historicals and there was always these pirates and there'd be a stowaway on the boat, whatever. But these books just never got there for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like they were just never there. And so I will, I will want this pirate story where like, basically this girl, she gets caught by the captain and now she has to make basically a deal to stay on this boat of how she's going to like pull her weight on this boat. Of course, it's going to be sexual. So the pirate <laughs> basically has control of her, but he mm-hmm. gifts, gifts her to the crew and stuff. And oh. I mean, I'll leave it there. I have ways I run this scenario, but I'll leave it right there. <laughs> like, um, why not? And if, if you're so inclined and you feel like picking the, you know, I, I wouldn't be mad at it. I'm just going to put it out there. She just wants you to send it to her as a beta reader. <laughs> she can give you some thoughts. <laughs> it's, it's been put out there. All right. Yes. Yes. I feel like pirates don't get enough love out there in these streets. I'm just saying. <laughs> actually reminding me of a series in Literatica that I read like years ago. I don't think he shares her, but it's his pirate story. And I want to say the author is called Wishful Thinking. And it's, it's really hot. Like she was one of my influences when I started like being like, can I write this kind of stuff and put it yeah. out there? So I recommend it. I, uh, I, I won't okay. say whether or not I just scribbled that down <laughs> for later. If you were going to like go out and, and read like a book, like a quick fix. Like what's the, 
like what would you be typing into the search box like pirates for shawnee obviously she just said are you leaning towards like contemporaries paranormals dark romance like what's the thing that you would reach to if you were today gonna just like unwind with a book it's a really good question so i don't read a ton of romance when i'm writing Mm -hmm. which is kind of a mixed bag like i don't want to feel like i need to emulate someone else's style or like get pulled in this you know um but I love it and so now I'm coming out of this really intense writing period I'm like okay what books are out there what do I read I think I want to unwind I usually go for something that's more like comfort food so I'll even do a reread sometimes I like kind of YA and NA like I don't always want something that's super spicy Mm -hmm. when I do I might just go for like pure smut because I don't want to get bogged down in a story. So it's kind of like these mm-hmm. two extremes. Mm-hmm. But I also really love um, Alona Andrews. Have you guys read any of their mm-hmm. stuff? Do you like urban mm-hmm. fantasy and paranormal? Yeah. So they, it's just like, it can be a little tense, but it's also just like, there's this great family and great characters and you just feel kind of like swept up in the story, but embraced at the same time. So yeah. those are good. For sure. I agree on the reread there's something so like it's it's ironic because like reading romance you know it's gonna end in a happily ever after at least by the end of the duet or trilogy or whatever but hopefully you know that in advance been scorned lately but not by your book I knew in advance your book was a duet but like I find that even though I know I'm going to be comforted by the happily ever after I still am like but I want to read about my favorites (laughs) just like I just want to go back and or like rewatch the same tv show or the same movie that I seen 55 times uh because i find it very soothing yes you know what's crazy is like when i was reading romance as a kid um and i was definitely a kid (laughs) um there's all these like romance novels that because they were the first ones i have a visceral connection to the story right Mm -hmm. so now when i read romance novels it becomes like potato chips i in 24 hours i have forgotten that story unless it was like phenomenal Mm -hmm. and but the ones when i was a kid I'll never forget because it was the first time I was experiencing that. It was the first time I was, you know, and I, I find that I, I, there's so many romance novels that exist that I can never find them again. I've been asking people, did you read a romance where the girl had like a million locks on the door? And like, (laughs) do you remember when, you know, like, and I, I've just been trying to find these old favorites because Mm -hmm. like, I remember even then I used to go back to the library and reread and reread and reread the same ones. And uh, Bridget always, (laughs) she talks shit about me because I, when I was a kid, because my house was so strict, I would take the romance novel back to the library, but it would be missing a few pages. She'd rip pages out. <laughs> she would rip pages out. She's savage. Oh I, would the, I would rip the sex scenes out of the book. And Outrageous. Keep it's like it's like the, I like almost couldn't be friends with you after that. It's like outrageous. No, that's the biggest dickish move ever. <laughs> At the time, I didn't care, but looking back, could you imagine reading a book anticipating the sex scene and then it's just gone? <laughs> what a dick! That's <laughs> I did on a on a library note because I love the library. I finally got my Illinois license after living here now for uh it was like 10 months after I moved here. Finally got it, had to for my taxes. Apparently, Illinois does not want your money enough to let you file taxes without a, a state ID or a driver's license in that state. And so then I was like, well, since I have my driver's license, now I can get my library card because I've just been using my LA library <laughs> digital from afar. So now I have two library memberships and I am filled with joy and we'll be there three times a week over the summer with my kids hauling 
stacks of books back in the stroller like a badass. <laughs> so Bridget and I both do like visual production mm-hmm. and we find sometimes that like whatever you shoot that story it changes in the edit right so as you're editing it it becomes a new story one that you actually might not have anticipated or whatever and I'm curious like if that ever happens to you or also like if you've ever had to just like fully scrap a story like you when you're going into the editing you're like oh this is just not working out absolutely yeah so my MO in writing a story is to kind of like go as wild as possible with the knowledge that I can kind of read it in during edits. That works better than starting smaller and then trying to like build it up. So for Priceless, there is all kinds of stuff that I end up cutting. And I knew that I probably would. I just need to like explore the characters. So kind of taking them to their max, like the scene where he's like spanking her and talking about her sister like that that went farther in terms of what he said in terms of the original and I was like okay they're gonna dial this back a little bit (laughs) Shawnee I told you it's so good I know it's like Christmas (laughs) I'm trying to remember what was in the original and what ended up in the published version I can't remember like I think in the original, he was talking about like tying her sister up or something. I don't think that was in the in the published version uh, that she'd have to watch them and be so jealous. And then that just like sort of taking characters traits their extremes. Like Christina was so needy in the original version that she'd like follow Patrick into the bathroom and watch him pee because she didn't want to be apart from him. And I was like, okay, that's not going in the. Was oh, that needy? <laughs> Are we not supposed to be doing that? <laughs> I mean, no, no judgment whatsoever, but I was like, this is my first kind of book like this. Let's, let's just play a little safer on this. Um, and then I think in the original, like things were still a lot more antagonistic between them by the end. Like they started dating, but he was still just like being a lot more dickish to her. And she was like loving and hating it at the same time. And once I started polishing that, it was like, let's make this more romancy. We'll give it a sweeter ending, things like that. Does this fall yeah. a, little, a little bit more towards like dark romance or not really because they're pretty on point with their like I wouldn't the safety around it. I feel like dark romance yeah. they're not really they're not really playing I with would, safety so well. <laughs> hard yeah. question to answer. Yeah. Like I went back and forth so much before subtitling it as a dark romance, which I did do on Amazon. As like I know that there are gonna be people who are pissed that like this isn't dark enough. But I'd rather have that than people who get into it is like, what is going on here? <laughs> so it's I'd say it's more kinky and angsty than dark, but like there's yeah. enough kind of psychological messiness that like it's a little bit dark. For sure. I feel like I feel like the situation of like how it begins, I think you're right. I think it puts it into that like closer to dark romance than to like what a traditional like NA or something. I am curious because I do feel like there's a gap a little bit of a gap in our labeling here, right? Because so, you know, for me, dark romance, I have to be in the mood for dark romance. Like Mm -hmm. I have to be, and especially the older I've gotten, it's actually become really, it's become a lot harder for me to enjoy dark romance because Mm -hmm. I'm like, nah, girl, that man is toxic. You better (laughs) leave him, you know, like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just at a point where in my own life, I'm done with the bullshittery. So like in the books, I'm also, I'm just yelling out loud when I'm reading them, you know? And so, well, I still want that kind of dark kink element. I want it with the consent. I want it with some rationality, you know, behind it and that sort of thing. So that's what I'm longing for to read. I'm not like, 
finding that every time we read a book about like an 18 year old in a dark romance situation, I'm like, Bridget, I can't, like, I just, I, I, like, (laughs) it's not for me anymore. Like I, I have a really hard time enjoying those books. We did did a dark romance season that was 10 in a row. And it turns out that that was too many dark romances in a row to talk about (laughs) on the podcast, especially because I'm like an addictive reader. And so like Shawnee read 10, but I probably read 30 because I was reading like, (laughs) the subsequent books or other books from the author and I would come back and I'd be like yo I read the other two books it was crazy and it was like I was like we need to do a rom-com season right after this like I need yeah. a palate cleanse yep. like I need some comedy up in there I need a little bit of light-hearted like meat cutes I want everybody to be like the worst thing they say is like some off the cuff comment that the other person take the wrong way <laughs> like no kidnappings <laughs> everyone is just <laughs> I think there should be like a kink uh, but I would love a kink genre the genre that's just around kink like consensual like whatever's happening is very consensual and that that is what it's going to be I don't know if there is a name for that yet but like that's something I would reach for immediately because I'm like mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get my consent and I know I'm going to get my kink and I know it's going to be nasty and it's going to be bad and whatever, but everybody's on the same page. I'm not in the back of my head. I'm not, I'm not like, so, so my niece is here and she's like 20. And the whole time she's here, I'm talking to her about what, like, I'm just preaching to her the whole time and she's taking it like a champ. I'm like, this is what you can expect from people. And this is how, you know, and if he says this to you, girl, you leave him immediately. These are red flags. Like this is our her existence for the last three days. And, and that's kind of what happens in the books when I'm reading them. So I don't want to have to worry about that. I don't want to worry about the red flags in the partnership. I just want it to be nasty and no. And when she says red, they gonna stop, you know, or he says red, that they gonna stop, you know, so whatever. Yeah, I, I hear you. You know, I had this book that I wrote a while ago that I'm just debating about whether to release because I feel like it's not really where I am now in terms of consent. It's like a novella and it's non-con and like I totally, you know, we were talking about the, kind of the safe space of taboo earlier. I feel like non-con is the same way. It's like, it's just a pure fantasy in a safe way. but. I'm like, do I put this out now? I wrote it like five years ago and it's not really where I am now. So I I hear what you're saying, that debate. Maybe you throw it on Patreon or something for your patrons (laughs) or something like that. See how they respond. Yes, yes, (laughs) exactly. Speaking speaking of like kinky and consent, you sent an email, you sent me that like Golden Angel was one of your sort of like Mm -hmm. people that you looked up to. I feel like she does that balance really well where it's like her books are kinky, but everyone's on board. Everyone's Mm -hmm. into it. How, how did you like find her? Like who were some of your other author influences that you were, were you like influenced because you love their books or just that they were talking about writing and you were like, Hey, maybe I could be an independent writer as well. So with Golden Angel, I found her on Literatica. And as I said, like, I definitely came to the revenge genre through erotica. And so I was probably in college or like early 20s. And she was just incredibly prolific, like hundreds of stories on there in all different categories. And some of them would just be like pure porn and some of them would have more of a story. And, you know, it was all fantastic. But I just loved sort of the descriptiveness of her writing and these characters that she really brought to life. And she had this one story called... It's called Being the Maid. It's like this maid with a princess and she's captured by these robbers and these three guys. And it was the first time I'd seen like a super erotic story with a plot. And I was used to reading like short form stories before that. 
And I was like, wow, this is a thing that like people can do. And it was just really eye-opening and she did an amazing job with it. And so I feel like that was super influential. And I haven't, I've read a few of her novels, um, but I feel like it's really like the early stories that were just like total, totally smutty um, that kind of inspired me. And so when I started writing, like I went along the same path. I was like, I'm just going to throw a free story up on Literaca, see how people react, see if they like it. And ended up doing that for a couple years and then turned the first serial into a novel and published it. And then things just kind of grew out of that. And along the way, like people would be like, oh, have you read this author? Do you like that person? I'd kind of take the recommendations and learn about romance, like very much on the fly. Like someone was talking about an HEA. I was like, what's an HEA? (laughs) I knew nothing. And I honestly had like a lot of really like stereotypical misconceptions about the romance genre, which I'm ashamed of now, but just like all the stuff that people kind of think who don't know about it. I was, I thought it was just one thing. I thought it was silly. I thought it was like not, you know, didn't have substance. And when I came into it, I was shocked because there's so much and so many different styles and subgenres and just amazing books. Um, so I feel it was really an education to come into it. Speaking of speaking of HEA, because actually I saw the TikTok you made, Bridget, about like an HEA. And uh, I also remember like when I kept saying HEA, I'd been reading romance forever. I had no idea what HEA meant. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I personally don't require an HEA in my romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't know people did. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that pe- that it made it romance if it had an HEA. And then Bridget just posted like a TikTok like, a day or two ago that was like, where's my HEA? <laughs> and I was like, does romance have to? Like, it has to have an HEA because like, I just needed to, to have feels like and, and sex throughout the book. But where it ends, I'm actually not as super committed to as long as it makes sense. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious, like. Is that what makes romance? I think a lot of people would say yes. I definitely see a lot of very heated tweets about it where people are like, if there's no HEA, it's not romance. And why are people still like even arguing about this? Uh- <laughs> I was like, wait, what? So I'm, I, sometimes I'm Captain Oblivious. I'm not going to lie. So like when she posted that and people were commenting, I'm like, wait, did I, did I miss, I missed a memo. Like, <laughs> I mean, I love a happily mm-hmm. ever after, uh, and I'm generally expecting it with romance. But like, also, I'm like, sometimes you just leave it something a little open ended. Like, I don't need it to actually even get closed, you know, yeah. uh, at the end. Because half the time, I tell Bridget, I go, you know, three months after this book, they get divorced, right? Like, <laughs> I always say that. I was like, it's not gonna work long term. Yeah. It works for this book, but it's not long term. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's, you know, it's so interesting. So like, would you feel okay about it if they split at the end or is it more like that open-ended ending would be okay? The, op- the open-ended, yeah. I think. I think, I think I don't, no, so, and also I, sometimes Shawnee, they get together and, and they're like happily ever after at the end of the book and she's like, I don't believe it for a second. They got, they got too many issues that they did not, they did not absolve in this book and I did not believe for one second they could last long term. No. <laughs> Especially, especially any characters that are like under 22 or under 23. She's like, what? Come on. They're so young. And they have this glaring problem of like, 
one of them wants to live in London and one of them wants to live in America. And they did not figure that shit out <laughs> to my satisfaction. And that's not going to just like go away. So about the romance needing a happily ever after. So I do think traditionally a romance novel has a happily ever after. And it is the reason why romance novels get so much hate and so much, like you said earlier, so much like misunderstanding because people think like, oh, they're all the same. Oh, they're all like popcorn because they're like so floofy because they all, you know, they're going to end up together. And it's like, well, cool. In a mystery, I know there's going to be mystery and someone's going to fucking solve it. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth reading if it's done well. I think the reason why, like, for instance, like your your current book that's about to come out is a, is a duet. That's fine. Um, as long as, like, I know in advance. But at the end of the duet, I would expect that it's, like, resolved. The duet is over. Or, like, the trilogy is over. It is finished. Versus, like, a, like if you're giving me, like, a series... Like, for instance, Nalini saying, like, the Guild Hunters, like, even that one, it's, like, it's more of a fantasy series where the two characters happen to be in love and getting down versus a romance, like, traditional romance novel that's, like, a contained thing, if that makes sense. That's, like, traditionally people do expect to happily ever after. And I personally was burned, like, four times in a row lately. Where people are recommending me books, but not saying like, oh, BT Dubs, it's part of a series or BT Dubs, there's a trilogy. And then two of the three, the series isn't even finished yet. So they were recommending me a book one without telling me it's not a standalone. And then book three is not even out until later this year. And I'm like, so now I just have to just torture that story. The story's in the back of my mind for life now. Cause I probably will never get around to reading book three. <laughs> and so now for the rest of my life, I'll be like caught in a daydream and be like, Oh, what about the ending of that story? I'll never know it. <laughs> Tragic. Anyways. I, I hear you. I, I definitely had some trepidation about putting out a duet. Um, originally I was pitching it as one book but it was just getting longer and longer and longer. And I was like, For I sure. can't put out like a 200,000 word book. <laughs> um, so yeah. I it and I wrote in a cliffhanger ending, which I'd never done before. And it seriously gave me anxiety. And I was like, yeah. well, I got to release these just a few weeks apart or else like I'm going to have something. See, but, no, but that's, that's so like, considerate. Holy <laughs> that's what I was going to say. That's considerate because so like we read, was the Ashley Jade duet that we read last year, Shawnee? Mm-hmm. I think, I think so. so. So she read, wrote a duet last year um, that is so hot, so good. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's again, it's like similar to yours where it's too long to be one book, but it, it does like wrap itself up. And, mm-hmm. and I think she did a similar thing where she released them fairly close together. But like, see, that doesn't bug me. But if you were to like hold that duet for like four years or release <laughs> book one without telling me that there, you have to wait for book two, that's when I get mad. I just need my expectations in advance so that I know emotionally what it is that I'm getting into. And I feel like the TikTok friends were not on my emotional side <laughs> this, la- this last few weeks. <laughs> You know, you know, also, I think what it speaks to, and, and I like the way you worded it, right? You were like, I was writing one book and it just got to be too much. And it became, and mm-hmm. I, I was like, I had to make it two books. And one of my biggest pet peeves is something we talk about the podcast is that people are so apt to want to make a trilogy that they don't have enough story for a trilogy, but they forced me to read three books of Foofy Doof. Right. And I, <laughs> and I get so angry when that happens that I will refuse to read that author ever again. I go, you think I'm an idiot? 
<laughs> and I will not give you another cent because like, that's, that's what it feels like to me. It feels like filling Kindle pages, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like the other reverse, which is like, no, I was trying to give you one solid thing, but it just, it, it needed to be two solid things. That makes logical right. sense to me. Not, oh, I only have one solid thing, but let me see how much water I can put in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me see how much extra page count I can get into Kindle Unlimited to make you read the same sentence 14 times in this book, which I appreciate about your books that there's not a lot of redundancy because there's a good, a couple authors where I'm like, you could have control found this entire paragraph and just saw that you wrote it six times and just, just took away, just take away a couple of them. So when you were going so you like finished writing your first book, were you ever intending to send it out for queries? Did you always know like, Hey, I love, I was doing literatica. It's normal for me to be publishing my own stuff. Like what, what was that thought process like? I'm trying to remember like how it went over the past few years. I think once I sort of settled into the like erotic heavy romance genre, I was pretty set on self-publishing. Just seeing sort of what happens with traditional publishing, I think it's a great route for some authors and some genres, but I'm kind of a control freak and I like total creative control. I like to retain the rights to my work. I like to be able to do what I want with it, when I want with it. And I want to be able to write as much smut as I want. And, you know, I know that like, yes, there's a trend for erotic romance and Fifty Shades was super popular and kind of paved the way, but I still can just envision someone telling me to rein it in or like. I you know, There have been a couple authors who I will not name because I love them, mm-hmm. who I was shocked upon reading their traditionally published books that they were so tame mm-hmm. after having read so many of their indie works. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, someone told you to make this more palatable and yeah. commercial. Yeah. And and I could see the moments where the instinct would have been to like dive deep in that next scene. And then I didn't get that. And I was like, but, 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 but what about me? What about me? <laughs> what about me and my, you know? <laughs> so I totally can understand that because I feel like that is true. Like the, you know, the publishers are trying to reach you know, a massive, same with like the, we talked about this, like for the last couple of years, the illustrated covers Mm -hmm. are definitely like a, Hey, look at this like nice illustrated cover. You can read this anywhere. And then sometimes you read the illustrated covers and you get into the book and you're like, this is dirty in here. And you guys (laughs) tricked me (laughs) because I thought I was getting like some nice feels time and, and we're, we're dark in the dark over here. Okay. Yeah, I honestly have mixed feelings about the illustrated covers. Like, I love that authors can depict their characters however they look, and they're not relying on models. And I Mm -hmm. totally get the desire for discrete covers, too. Like, I feel embarrassed to sometimes, like, have stuff show up on my Kindle or my kids see or whatever. Um, But they don't necessarily match what's happening in the book. And it's such an interesting thing of, like, that hiddenness of erotic romance and, like, how open are we going to be about it? And do you expect what you're getting? Or is it kind of like this code for what's happening inside? I will kind of wonder though, like, I like, I want people to just like slap me in the face with it. That's my personal preference. Like I want an alien on the front. I want them to be green, purple, 
I mean, whatever color you want to make them, it's an alien. Do you? I want to know, like, what are we in space? Are we in a spaceship? Like, I want some context about, like, uh, give me some clues, you know? Like, is someone being choked on the covers? <laughs> is it black and white? That's giving me some sensual, darker vibes. Is it in bright color? Like, just, just tell. And, okay, and this is another thing that just popped into my mind. Off topic, perhaps, but the back covers used to tell you the plot of the book and now they just have quotes from people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, but what's the plot? What is this book about? <laughs> like, I'm happy that this other person likes it and thinks it's witty, but like, what's, what's the, who is the plot? <laughs> it's kind of a blurb. Yeah. Hit me with the blurb. Yeah. I, I feel, you know, 50% on this, right? So as an adult, I love the cover that tells me exactly what's in the book. Like I, I don't enjoy illustrated covers only because my brain overlooks them automatically. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I rom-com, like those light rom-coms are not really my thing. It's not really what I go to pick up for. So as soon as I see the illustrated cover, my brain dismisses it even before I'm consciously aware that I'm dismissing the book. Mm-hmm. But little Shawnee who <laughs> needed her mom not to take her books away and like had to cover her books and write Pride and Prejudice on the cover so that I could read them, you know, that those covers would have been great for me because my mom would have been like, oh, that just seems like a really easy, you know? So I'm, I feel like I'm split in that, in that regard, you yeah. know? But yeah, like now, as soon as, if I see a cover that intrigues me, I'm like, yes, thank you. I would take that. I don't even read the blurb. I just, I'm looking, I'm judging the book fully by the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so the illustration thing is a little bit, it's just a little bit interesting for me. We've yeah. read some on the podcast, but if I had have been in a bookstore, I would never have picked them up. Right. You know, so yeah, I got that. Yeah. How, actually, you have interesting covers uh, oh. for your for your books. Yes. Yeah. Like uh, when <laughs> I was looking at, at the covers and I was like, some of them give me what I like to call uh, the soup, right? Mm-hmm. Where it, they almost tell... A pro- like a progression of a story on the cover or it's like I don't know how and I haven't ever I I personally don't see covers like that and nice. I was intrigued <laughs> okay. cool. which books are you thinking of I was I was like I was going through your blog mm-hmm. and I was like oh is, is this like a scene from what's happening in the book because I would like to know more about that scene <laughs> <laughs> Also, like um, you had ones that I don't know if this is like the the covers, but um, it was like um, "Deliver the Devil," I believe, or or whatnot, and it yeah. has like a kind of a montage of things in a in a graphic, mm-hmm. like a it had like a snake and some like tarot yeah. cards and like, and I was like, that was like a graphic in which there's no sexiness on the cover, mm-hmm. but I was like, I am intrigued. <laughs> But it says the word desire and therefore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one says desire, but the other one says deliver the devil. And I would like to make an Amazon, where I get to Amazon, like, well. <laughs> <laughs> I know what's going on there. Yeah, those were my first, I guess, discreet covers for this duet. And I just gave the cover designer some vague, like, vibes and symbols. And she just came back with these amazing covers which are incredible. And I, you know, I feel like it's a gamble with discrete covers because they don't tell you exactly what's happening inside, but I hope that the vibes would be enough to kind of give this impression. Of what well, 
also like this is this discrete cover is so uh different than necessarily like an illustrated cover right because like when i'm looking at the design of this it uh gives me gothic it gives me it gives me all these like the feelings of things i know in my body like when i when i look at this like one of my favorite authors is Cressy cole right that's one of my comfort thoughts i'll reread her like her series when i'm like just want something right mm-hmm. this cover gives me the feel of that right the like kind of gothic the like you know kind of like oh the intrigue the whatever like the dirty without actually saying any of that you know what I mean like it's you know it's just yeah. like a not it's like a wig it's like a yeah it's like a just pick me up <laughs> don't you worry about nothing just yeah. you pick me up <laughs> you know I've heard so many good things about Presley Cole I've not read any of her books but I've heard she's amazing oh yeah she and then she also has the narrator for her um why can I not think of the series that I've read a bajillion times? Um, Immortals After Dark. Immortals After Dark, right? Because it, that, it's like a Rage Beast series. At least the first half of it's like a Rage Beast series. But the Robert Petkoff, who narrates it, is so delightfully delicious mm. that I don't care what he's reading. <laughs> I don't. Robert, come to my house. Let me give you some tea. Clear your throat and let's stop. Just, just speak. I'm just gonna lay here and listen. So it's always just like a delightful, like you know, like hash brown when you when you hear him. So yeah, but yes, I I do I do enjoy what you're doing with your covers because I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I feel like all of that packaging stuff is so challenging. Um, I know for some authors, they like get the cover ready months in advance, and it inspires them. I'm definitely the opposite. Like I do the writing and then I agonize over the title and the blurb and the cover. And I'm like, how do I wrap this all up and market it when it's just like this thing that's like pulled from my subconscious? Like, It's very weird. So so, um, I I empathize heavily (laughs) heavily with this because I, okay. So uh, in music, when I go to, when I go to publish a song, I have to have a cover for that Mm -hmm. single right is the last thing I think about I will even have planned like I'll have the 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 mp3 or the the wave up you know uploaded everything the release date everything and then I go oh shit I need a cover (laughs) (laughs) literally last minute every time and (laughs) you know I have all the all these artists that I see they spend all this time on their visuals for their albums and stuff I am literally scrolling through my photo album like (laughs) <laughs> what can I repurpose as a cover? <laughs> my mom made me a painting. I took a picture of it, like for one of our last releases. I took a picture of it, put it in Photoshop, kind of brought the saturation up and shit. I was like, boom, cover. Let's go. <laughs> but that's like personal, you know? It 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 fits. Like that's really cool. It's random. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like what catches your eye. It just <laughs> Are you, speaking of covers, I'm looking at yours, are you afraid of snakes in real life or are you into snakes? I'd say kind of in between. Um, I don't have a phobia, but I would not like seek them out either. Uh, My husband actually had this whole menagerie of like reptiles and amphibians when he was growing up. And so I asked him about his experience of being a snake owner. So her name is Morticia and apparently she got loose for like two (gasps) weeks and there is this vent that was directly over the pillows in his parents' bedroom, like over their bed. And his mom was living in mortal fear, mortal fear that Morticia would like crawl through the vents and drop down on their heads while they were sleeping. And eventually they found her. Uh, 
it was all good. Yeah. Nope. So my husband has tortoises and turtles and he wants to get some other things. And I was like, let me tell you the things that are on the hard no list. <laughs> and then you can feel free to get whatever you want aside from that. I said, nothing that will slither on me. And it's like nothing that could eat our children. I said, we're not going to be one of those like dumb stories of like, this family got a python and then it ate their dog. No, thank you. Like we're not doing any of that nonsense. I told my daughter, she really wants a gerbil. I have like all these things. I'm like, no gerbils, no rodent creatures. No, thank you. No ferrets that will skitter. Mm-mm, not at my house. My daughter's like, I want a gerbil. And I was like, Sorry, sweetheart, it's never going to happen. <laughs> older and you have your own home. You can feel free to get eroded. So, yeah. No, that would be my worst fear is that, like, the snake got loose. And now I can't live at my house. And I'm like, sorry. No, I, like, I have turtles. And I love that they live in their water tank. They do not exit their water tank for any reason. Other and than if they when did, like, they're not going to crawl into your bed like no you might step on one or it might like die under your couch but like you're not it's not gonna crawl in your bed and try to get you yo i went uh, i went to like a hangout with this like i, I met somebody like i just got the chills <laughs> <laughs> no I met somebody on like okay cupid like a while back but we never it was never meant like a romantic thing at all he just had some stuff that i was like oh i like to do that stuff too I was like, are you interested in just hanging out like as friends? And he was like, oh, cool. So we actually did and we be, we became friends. But he had like a, I don't know if it's called a bearded dragon or some sort of lizard that lived free range in his house, right? So I didn't know that when I went to his house for the first time, there was just a lizard in a shoe. And <laughs> and I said, what, what's that, sir? What, what's What's that? <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, he just, you know, he does what he wants around the house. I, that was the first and last time I went to that man's house. Let me tell you right now. We, had, <laughs> we went antiquing, we went and did a whole bunch of other stuff, but I just never yeah. went back to his house because I was like, no, I don't like surprises. <laughs> Shawnee, Shawnee, did I tell you Leo tried to convince me to get this lizard thing that grows to like 50 pounds? <laughs> he's like look how cute it is. he's like look how cute it is it's got like this like snake tongue and i was like and it was like sitting next to the family dog for like reference size in this person's video and i was like not a chance in hell <laughs> <laughs> i said what who do you think you married no what? oh we just met <laughs> Oh my goodness. Good times. Oh, Miranda, this has been just a delight. I'm so happy that you could come on the show and hang out with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. If there was one question that you would want someone to ask about your books or your writing, what would it be? Oh gosh. Um, I am totally blanking. Let's see. Um, Maybe it would be like, why do you do this? What are you hoping to accomplish? <laughs> yeah, what is, that's a good one. What are you hoping to accomplish? That's a good one. Um, I think I just want to put like, it's a few things. I want to put a lot of sex positivity out into the world and just like really normalize people enjoying themselves in an extremely smutty way. Uh, I want to write heroines who are like super carnal and horny and normalize that too and make that totally cool be part of that I like taking risks I'm very like risk averse in real life so this is a very safe way to take those risks and I I mean 
aside from anything else, I just want to make people feel good. Like I want people to have fun with my books and enjoy them and just carry that good feeling with them. Well, I'm going to read the girl in between <laughs> and I'll let you know how good I feel. This is going to be. <laughs> All right. Please do. <laughs> well, everybody, I think, cause it's this episode will have just come out after this. You can pick up book two of the duet, which means you can read book one and two in quick succession of the serpentine duet. It comes on on May 24th. And thank you again for coming on our show. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Well, dear listeners, until next time, may your books be your lover. And your hand your best friend. <laughs> Bye for now, kids. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.